and pray as for God's will to be done and through the life of his church and as we continue to honor him. It was back probably, oh, it's probably been at least uh, maybe two, two and a half years ago. The exact date was that on June the 24th, 2021, at 1.25 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, a 12-story beachfront condominium in the Miami suburb of Surfside, Florida, partially collapsed. It was determined that on July the 7th that authorities announced the transition from rescue to recovery and that missing victims were presumed dead. More than 80 rescue units responded to the collapse. And almost one month later, 98 people were confirmed dead tragically making it one of the deadliest structural collapses in American history. Long-term degradation of reinforced concrete support structures in the underground parking garage due to water penetration and corrosion of the reinforcing steel were being considered as factor in or the cause of this particular collapse of this building. Now compare that with what a man named LeBron Lackey and his uncle, Uncle Russell King, accomplished a few years earlier. This uncle and nephew built a beach house on Mexico Beach, Florida, there in the Florida Panhandle, that could withstand, get this, that could withstand 250 mile-an-hour wind, well above the certification requirement. The sandcastle was fashioned from poured concrete, reinforced by steel cables and rebar, with additional concrete bolstering the corners of the house. The home's elevation on high pilings was meant to keep it above the surge of seawater that usually accompanied the powerful hurricanes. Now, LeBron Lackey said, and I quote, We're thinking that we need to build a house that would survive for generations. Well, little did they know that in the first full week of October 2018, Hurricane Michael the most intense storm recorded in the history of the Florida Panhandle, would hit their home and others along that coastline. When the New York Times published an analysis of aerial images showing a mile-long stretch of Mexico Beach where at least three-quarters of the buildings were damaged, the house of this uncle and this nephew was still standing. The foundation is crucial in construction. It is crucial and necessary in our life. We must build upon a rock that will provide stability in the times of the storm. And we know that our Lord Jesus Christ, that he used a parable 
to conclude his majestic sermon, the greatest sermon ever preached, known as the Sermon on the Mount. And in a capsule he says that the wise men will build on his words and that wise men will be obedient to the word of God. I call your attention this morning to take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. And let me read these last several verses from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, verse 24, and speak to you this morning on the life that lasts. Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 24, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a sensible man, a wise man, who built his house on the rock. Now the rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house. And yet it did not collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the wind blew and pounded that house And it collapsed. And its collapse was great. The only life that lasts the storms is the life that hears and practices and obeys the words of Jesus Christ. Look at this if you would. The life that lasts hears the word of God. Uh, Jesus uh, did not mention anything about the building materials that these men would use, did he? Uh, He did not say that there was uh, this one builder who built his house out of hand-cut stone and the other who built his uh, home out of adobe mud. And nothing is said about the structure. Nothing is said about the size or the square footage of the house. In other words, Jesus didn't say that One man built uh, himself a mansion and uh, another built a hut. No, it's not until the water table rises that the sandy foundation gives way. And if your life and my life is going to last, the first key is to hear the words of God, to hear the words of Jesus Christ. One of the great difficulties that we face today is the simple fact. I find that men and women, boys and girls, do not know what Jesus said or what the Bible teaches. I keep a little three-by-five card with this particular note. That the Bible contains the Word of God, the state of man, the way of life, the doom of sinners, The joy of believers. Read it to be wise. Believe it to be safe. Practice it to be holy. And we remember the words of Jesus Christ from John chapter 8 when Jesus said that if you abide in my word that you really are my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth is what's going to set you free. 
Several years ago, LifeWay Research did a study that found that Americans are fond of the Bible but do not actually read it. Now, this survey, almost 9 out of 10 households, that is about 87%, own a Bible, according to the American Bible Society. And the average household, they said, had has three Bibles. But Bible, the Bible remains spotty. The research showed that one in five Americans have read through the Bible at least one time. So that's about 20%, okay? That includes 11% who, who've, who've read the, the entire Bible once and 9% who read it through, read through the Bible multiple times. Americans also differed in how they approach in reading the Bible. 22% read a little bit every day in a systematic approach. A third never pick it up at all, while 30% look up things in the Bible when they need to. And yet all along we hear Jesus say and Jesus tell us over and over, in fact, some of his last words that he gave to the seven churches there in Asia Minor in the book of Revelation That he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Think of the plethora of ways that we have today to hear the Word of God. I mean, the apps, the text, I mean, the way that we can hear it as we're driving down the road. We can play it at home. We can do all of these things. And yet we wonder sometimes why lives fall apart. Families tear apart in times of testing and times of storm. Well, the life that lasts is going to hear God's Word. Here is a man, yes, two men who heard the Word. Now, I'd say to you today to practice good listening habits every day in God's Word. The psalmist is right. Be still, relax. And know that I am God. Find a quiet place. I think it's best to read when you're fresh in the morning. Ask God to help you spend time in His Word. Ask His Spirit to work in and through your life as you read through His Word. Uh, purchase a translation that will be easy for you to understand and to read. Find a systematic approach in reading and hearing God's Word. And yes, meditate. Think through what you have read, what God says in His Word for your life to last. The life that lasts hears the Word of God. Secondly, the life that lasts practices the Word of God. We see this of a contrast in verses 24 through 26. Knowledge of the Word of God must become action. Theory must become practice. Theology must become a a way of life. Uh, There's little point in us going to the doctor unless we're prepared to do the things that we hear the doctor say and that we do what the doctor has to say. And yet there are multitudes who listen to the teachings and the words of Jesus. They have good knowledge of what Jesus taught of what God says in His Word, and yet at the same time, they make little or no attempt to put it into practice. 
If we are to be devoted followers of Jesus Christ, yes, we must hear and do, or as we sang a few moments ago, trust and obey. There is no other way to be happy in Jesus, to trust in His Word, to trust Him and obey. And yes, that one word that sums up hearing and doing that we hear over and over is obedience. He demands our complete obedience, our total obedience to His Word. It is Jesus' claim that obedience to Him is the only sure foundation for life. It is the promise that it is that the life that is built on obedience in Him is safe, no matter what storm may come our way. Now again, this parable is a story in contrast. You know, you look at it again, it's very simple. What was the difference between the two men? Let's suppose that they had the same plans, uh, they had the same tools, and yet they had, they used different foundations. Well, we know as Jesus says that the obedient man hears and practices the word. Luke chapter 6 in Jesus' parallel, in Luke's parallel account of this particular parable says that Jesus says that this wise man digs deep and he laid the foundation on rock. Now, if you're like me, and some of you do this because you travel south on I-35, there's a place called Austin, Texas. And uh, I have to travel through Austin, Texas every now and then. And yes, I do try to stay off of I-35 going through Austin, Texas. But there's moments and times that is that it is a have to. And, you know, sometimes when I'm caught in, in traffic and it's just to a standstill and I'm there on I-35, I have the problem. Melody gets on me. She says, keep your eyes on the road. But I have the tendency to wonder. And sometimes I will count the cranes. There in Austin. Have you ever done that? I mean, just seeing everything that is being built there. I mean, downtown Austin is a multiplicity of construction. But you know what? There's one thing that I have observed. I have observed driving by that when they begin a building, that they will spend four, five, six, however many months in just digging a hole for the foundation. The Roman Colosseum, some of you have been over to Rome before. The Roman Colosseum was built in about 73, 74, 75 A.D. Historians say that 220,000 tons, 220,000 tons of dirt were dug by hand to have a 30-foot foundation just in the first year. And it took seven to eight years to build the Roman Colosseum. Well, it says something to us about foundation work. It says something to us about foundation work as far as our spiritual life is concerned. Uh, Foundation work, number one, is fundamental work. That every day that we're called upon, the basic fundamentals of the Christian faith that are found in the Bible, that if we are to grow as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are to think biblically and think about God, that our mind is focused 
upon doing this particular fundamental work. A second thing, foundation work I have found is rather slow work. You can't rush right through it. It may not always be thrilling or or glamorous. Sometimes uh, working on that foundation, listen, it is slow in learning the basic fundamentals of the faith. Bearing fruit, developing, asking the character of Christ to come within our lives, listen, takes time. And remember that Jesus says that the one who abides in me and I in him is going to produce fruit. Without me, you can do absolutely nothing. Jesus says there in John 15. And so sometimes, a lot of times, listen, that foundation work is just slow work. Foundation work, though, is necessary work. Yes, we know this. A building would collapse, would fall without the proper foundation. And there are lives that have fallen because of a foundation that was never structured properly in the Word of God. These are the marks of a believer who bears, who hears, and practices God's Word. Now, on the other hand, what are the marks of the one who does not build his or her life on the foundation of God's Word? Well, Jesus tells us there in verse 26. Uh, They may listen. They may hear. They may hear a good sermon or two. They may pick up God's Word and just read it casually, but that life is marked by disobedience. Uh, They do not take time to meditate, to think through God's Word, do not think through, and and always in a hurry. Listen, I hear about these people who say that they want to know, that they want to dig deeper into God's Word. Listen, an expert in God's Word is still a sinner. An expert in God's Word is... A still a sinner saved by grace. And God does not evaluate us on the knowledge of His will, how much of that we know about His will that we are to do. He judges us because of whether we were obedient or we were disobedient to Him. And let me tell you this, partial obedience is still complete disobedience unto God. Years upon years ago, Many years ago, a little Russian Sunday school took off like a rocket because the priest found a rather ingenious way to encourage attendance. Here's what he did. He was offering candy to the little Russian children who would come and who would memorize Scripture. One little boy had a rather... Retentive memory. And the priest gave out the candy to this little boy. And the little boy would run off into the fields and eating and chewing and and stuffing his pockets with candy. This little boy got to the point. He got to the point where he had memorized the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Think about that. He had memorized the four Gospels. And one Sunday the priest had this little boy stand before the whole church body and recite the four Gospels from the beginning of Matthew all the way through the end of John entirely from memory. Impressive, huh? 
Let's go forward. Sixty years later, that same little Russian boy died. And they buried him in a grave marked Nikita Khrushchev. Nikita Khrushchev, the first secretary of the Communist Party of the former Soviet Union. He heard the words of Jesus, but he never applied them. And he became the leader at that time, the leader that became the head of the largest atheistic country in all the world. What foundation do you have today? Are you being obedient to what you hear? Well, the life that last hears the word, practices the word, is going to be obedient to the word. But finally, the last thing that we find here for what Jesus says, that the life that lasts is the one that endures the storm. This is what Jesus says in verses 25 and 27. Now, it's not if the storm comes, but when the storm comes. Are you ready for the storm? You're, you're in one of three places today. You're either headed into a storm, you're right in the middle of a storm, or you're just now coming out of a storm. Okay? So, which is it today? Well, One man was ready for the storm. The other was not. And just as the house will be no greater, no stronger than its foundation, so your life, my life, is going to be no greater than the rock on which it is built. Now, as in Jesus' parable, the storm, not the sunshine, is the test. Now, you notice something about the storm. One is... The same storm came to both houses. Well, storms come to us all, and they come in different uh, multicolored uh, varieties. It may be a financial storm, a physical storm, uh, maybe something that's emotional, something, a spiritual storm that we're going through. But listen, all of us, and just as these particular men, the same storm came to both houses. Here's something else I find about storms. Life storms are sudden. When you least expect it, when you get that call in the middle of the night, or when you hear that one particular report. It's amazing to me that in the very next chapter, in Matthew chapter 8, that the disciples got in a boat, Jesus gets in a boat, (laughs) Jesus gets in that boat and he takes a nap, is what he does. And Matthew chapter 8, verse 24, in fact, it even uses that word suddenly. Suddenly, suddenly, a violent storm arose at the sea. Now, amazing to me is, just a side note here, is that uh, Jesus was taking a nap in the middle of the storm. In fact, it's the only time that you ever find Jesus sleeping in the New Testament. And guess what? He's sleeping in the middle of the storm. I think that ought to tell us something. Jesus, the creator of all, Jesus, the Lord of all, Jesus, sovereign of all, the disciples were panicked. They wake up Jesus. Don't you care that we perish? Well, of course he cares. And he stands and he silences the winds and the waves, the one who created it all. The one who is sovereign and Lord of all, Lord of creation. 
And the disciples would learn a very, very important lesson. Well, the storms that come into our life, just as it came to the disciples that day, are sudden. Life storms, we know, that are unavoidable, aren't they? We live in storms, in stormy days, externally, internally. There's an old saying that says everything that ain't nailed down is going to come up. Building a life, a marriage, a family. Building a church, an organization, a ministry. Is like building that particular skyscraper. First you dig down for the foundation. You dig down and you lay that foundation. And then you begin to build up. The foundation is your inner life as God's Spirit begins to work in and through you. That what goes into your heart and to your mind as you think biblically and you think about our Lord. Some of you have been to New York and you've been to Manhattan. The island of Manhattan in New York consists almost entirely of bare granite. I had a brother-in-law who was here not too long ago in church, and he's a geologist, and he talks to me about these things from time to time. Well, Manhattan consists almost entirely of bare granite, a very hard and strong type of rock. Now, it is said that to carry the weight of about a 75 to 100, 110-story skyscraper, builders use foundation anchors called piles. I mentioned the word pilings a few moments ago, talking about the uh, nephew and the uncle who were building their home there in the Florida panhandle. Well, piles are concrete or steel columns hammered into the ground until they penetrate solid rock. Now, for especially tall buildings, some piles are driven 25 stories below the ground. The heavy weight of the skyscraper is then distributed through each of the piles, and together they support the the, the structure's enormous weight that they build these piles, they drive these piles down into the ground before they ever begin to build up. If foundation piles are drilled and driven poorly, they're done sloppy. Cracks will eventually appear in the structure. Entire buildings may, may, may lean, and then they must be torn down or, or lifted completely so the piles can be reset, a very costly and consuming process. Well, you think about our life. How important it is that we hammer some spiritual piles into our spiritual foundation. That as we come before God, that this foundation would be strong and secure. Because of these that we take from God's Word to hear and to practice his word. And unless we, we do so, these are deeply drilled into the granite of our soul, granted into our mind, granted into our heart. And yes, when the storms come, and they will, if we're not ready, 
the above the surface level of our life is going to remain vulnerable. If our life is just shallow and not down deep. I don't know how you read the word today. Just a little practical guide that you could probably use is just to think of the word soap. S-O-A-P. The S stands for the scripture. The scripture that you're reading. You're going to read it. You're going to read it slowly. The scripture. The O stands for the observation. What is the text saying? What is the language? What is the history? What particular words that you find there, phrases that you find there that uh, is an observation to you that you would circle, that you could read? The A is the application. You're asking God. Lord, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to show me from your word? How can, in my life, how can I bring you the most glory as I seek to be obedient to you, to follow your word? The P stands for prayer. You pray the passage. Today's passage, Lord God, today, I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you that when we read your word, we hear your voice. We hear you speak to our heart. Lord, help me that as I read your word, that as I practice your word, that I'm going to be obedient to your word. I'm going to follow you. Lord, you've guided me through storm after storm in my life, and you've always been there, and I thank you. Thank you, yes, that yes, you are with me, that you will never leave me nor forsake me. And Lord God, that I will seek to honor you. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. What would it be in your life today? Have you begun 2024 with God's Word, reading, meditating, asking God to bring some spiritual piles in your life that as you dig down deep that you will seek to grow and to become more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. For some of you today, you may not know Christ. You may know of Him, but you've never, ever trusted in Him. You've heard the message. You've heard the gospel. You've heard that Jesus will save you. You've heard that Jesus Christ will change your life, but you've never, ever done anything about it. Would you let this be the day to say today, oh God, today, I take Jesus to be my Savior and Lord. I turn from my sin. I turn to you. I trust in you by faith. And I ask, Lord God, for you to come to save me, to give me new life. He will today. He'll do it today. Are you being obedient as a disciple? Have you been baptized and biblically baptized in New Testament baptism as the Bible calls us to do? Follow the Lord in this. 
grow as his disciple. For some of you today, you need to come and just place your life in the fellowship of a local church. The Bible does have something to say about being a member of the body of Christ. Do it today. Trust him today. In just a few moments after I pray, we're going to sing together that song, I Surrender All. And you know what? I, I wouldn't sing it unless I really meant it because to a lot, some folks, it's just I surrender some. But it's I surrender all. Your mind, your thought life, your heart, your tongue, whatever God may lead you, you would surrender to Him. That all belongs to Him and you'll seek to honor Him in and through your life. I'll be standing here waiting to greet you. Brother Brett will be here. Alan can be here. Listen, I invite you to come today to make that commitment, that decision for Jesus Christ today and allow God's Word to speak in and through your heart, the life that lasts. Father, we thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, for your love to us in every way. Thank you for your grace your grace that saves us, your grace that sustains us in our time of need. And we ask, dear Father, today that, Lord, as we take your word, that, yes, that we hear it, we obey it. Lord God, that when that storm comes, we're built upon a sure foundation and rock of Jesus Christ, his words and your word, Lord, each and every day. So we thank you, Father, for this. Help us to grow in you. Help us to grow in the grace and knowledge of of Jesus Christ, of our Savior, of our Lord, that others would see Christ Jesus living in and through us. Bless this time of commitment, this time of invitation this morning. Lord God, your name be praised, your name be honored and glorified through all that, yes, Lord God, in our heart we say, I surrender all, I surrender all, Lord, to you. Well, we pray this in Jesus' name, and for his sake do we pray. Amen. As we reverently quietly stand together, as we sing, as we pray, you can come and come this morning just now and make that commitment now in Jesus' name.